Listener Production. You are listening to episode 24 of the Howie Games Artist Series Part B, featuring a man, the dominator on TV. He's a financial whiz. He's a president of a football club. He does it all. His name is David Kosh, and we'll keep rolling. So before we get to the key of live television, which is what I really want to talk to you about, how do you maintain a health and a balance? Yep. Like I've got mates that have done a lot of breakfast radio and they say it, it, it's, it, it's more the nighttime where you can't do things that it dominates your life. How do you keep yourself fit, healthy, regulate yep. your sleep and stay in touch with the other parts of your life? It's really important. I'm... I rear, and this is another thing I picked, my my dad would, as a kid, uh, he was in a fairly high-flying job running this. So he would, he would, if he had to go to Europe, he would, uh, on business, he would leave on a Sunday night, uh, get back Friday afternoon and be coaching our footy team huh. or my sister's netball team on the weekend. Gotcha. Uh, that's why I've never played golf because for our, when you've got f- four kids in a busy life, it's too much time. I'd rather <clears> be coaching their basketball and netball teams, which I used to do. So I, Lib and I um, have always had this view I can work as hard as I like during the, weekend, uh, during the week. Weekends is for family and that's how you box it up. Uh, I've been going to uh, the same personal trainer for 18 years. Um, I I used to think trainers were for tossers um, until I did Kilimanjaro the first time and Fitness First said, you know, we'll lend you a trainer for six months while you're training. And I've just kept going back to Todd. It is my time of the week. Ever In my diary, it's 10 o'clock. Um, Tuesdays and Thursdays, and um, everybody knows they don't book me for that hour. Non-negotiable. I would leave sunrise at nine thirty, walk down the hill to uh, to the gym, be there by ten. It was me time, and Todd trains me for who I am. Like a lot of young trainers, I think train to earn money while they can keep themselves fit and they try and train you Mm -hmm. like they do. You know, I'm an old bloke, so it's all about uh, balance. It's all about joints. It's posture. It's um, hip alignment, uh, all the things that deteriorate when when you get older. And that's what we trained for. And so I'm really fastidious at that. And he's a great bloke. The weirdest thing is he's an Adelaide Crow supporter. Oh, that's tough I for know. you. That's tough. I know. That's but he, he's such a lovely bloke. Not to say Crow supporters are. <laughs> you can look through it. But he's a really great, great guy and and that's really important. And everyone I've worked with on, on Sunrise, I've said, you've got to look after yourself. Otherwise, it'll wear you down. Yes. And your, your health and your fitness is a really key part of it. And, and so – you can function properly during the weekend with your family. Yep. When when you do have family time, you don't want to be a walking zombie um, um, with permanent jet lag. You've got to – I have a sleep routine. I go to bed at night at when I was doing sunrise at exactly the same time. I wouldn't go out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday what night. What time did you go to bed Sunday. at night? 
I would head off at 7.40 and hopefully be asleep by 8.20. Okay, so it d- does dominate your life, doesn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. It's it's not a job, it's a lifestyle. Yes. And Sunday nights is always hard because you've lived a fairly normal life during the weekend yep. and getting to sleep Sunday nights always difficult. Uh, I can go out, would be able to go out Thursday night because Friday's show, you just get through on adrenaline. Yep. Basically, it's the end of the week. And, but if you go out Sunday, Monday or Tuesday night, you are wrecked for the rest of the week. And, so you've got to be disciplined. And since you finished it, how long were you waking up at 3.27? Not one day. Oh, no, so the first From day one, bang, nine six, o'clock 6.30. Oh, 6.30. Yep. Okay. okay. 6.30, go for a walk along the beach, do that sort of thing. Look, after 21 years, it was time. The... Uh, I'd spoken to Seven the end of last year about finishing up the end of last year. They said, hey, can you do it? And we, we'd talked for a year before that about Matt uh, filling in for me and yep. being the natural Matt uh, successor. And they said, can you do it for the first six months so we can bed the year in, win the year, um, and we'll get you out before winter comes too heavily. Winter's always the worst mm. when you're getting up at. Mm. sort of half past three. And um, my great fear was on that last show, I would think, what the hell am I doing? But I had, didn't even enter my head. It was time. It was just time for me to get a bit more flexibility in my life. And so I work business hours now. So as you are progressing, and I want to talk to you about a few particular instances on the show, but when you wake up and you're tired, right? And the show's flying and you and Mel, there's a lot of people that go towards making a TV show, but as the two hosts, you're the leaders of the show, yeah. ostensibly. So when you've had a, a crap night's sleep or you're tired or there's a family issue and you go in there and you've got to front up the cameras and get everybody up, how, how do you go about okay. doing that? Um, the magic of Sunrise is we have an incredible floor crew. Yep. Everyone's in the same position. Yep. Everyone has bad days. You instinctively know when someone's a bit down and then you focus on them and bring them up. So it's a real team. Uh, oh, yeah. And you um, sit at the desk and it's just the most wonderful feeling. And I've uh, co-hosted with some fantastic people. We're all similar values, senses of humour, you know, Barrett's and Mel and Sam and and Nat, um, Eddie. It's it's just otherwise you wouldn't do it for mm. so long. The magic amongst a team is incredible. But Murphy's law is always when you when you're feeling a bit shaggy and you think, okay, I'm just gonna read the auto cue today. I'm not gonna not gonna even try and add a little anything. Mm invariably something will happen overseas and then you go into live commercial-free coverage, usually extended, um, from 5.30 to midday. It always, <laughs> always happens. And it could be um, you know, desert storm, uh, the launch of it could be an earthquake somewhere, uh, a bombing, um, a queen dying, and you just go into rolling coverage and you're just talking for five, six hours on the run. And that is the greatest buzz. And and you also then even more appreciate the value of the partnership 
that you have with your co-hosts because you instinctively know when each other are, are running out uh, mm. of words that you need to pick up. It becomes a tag team and it's it's the most incredible experience. So if it is a really sensitive issue, you mentioned a couple of their um, Desert Storms, so um, a, a, a war situation or the Queen passing. Yep. That, that, that's, a, that's a good example. And you're on air for five hours. How do you negotiate language and make sure you're presenting the news, but you're not saying something or you're trying to avoid saying something that mm. is going to upset or offend yep. an audience? Or... It's really tricky. You've got to be really careful with what you say. And because it's on the run, yes. everyone's a human being. We all make mistakes. We all But if, say if you say the wrong thing, you, oh, yeah. you'll do five hours. That 15-second oh, yeah. clip is the one that's everywhere. Uh, David everywhere. Koch says such and such. Exactly right. So it is you've – got, you've got to be quite careful. And if you're starting to move into that area – um, Nat or Mel will jump in and steer him. Right. <laughs> oh, of course he's going, right. Wind him in. Yep. <laughs> Floor manager starts well, giving you the wrap-up. Well, you really mean this, don't you? <laughs> well, yes, I thought so. Well, no, because it could be in Durban. <laughs> I, I saw you making, We were Tommy and I were looking at some clips um, of the gangland war and you yeah. started to make a few editorial decisions on the run and then oh. at that stage your co-host just almost, did they just let you go? They said nothing. Well, and there's, then, there's a... Yeah, there's an interesting background to that because people uh, people often say uh, when you're in the public spotlight, oh, people are so mean to be on Twitter or social mm. media. Um, I actually had at one stage, and the police are fantastic uh, with us, uh, had a bikey um, trying to get to me. Well, and, tr- tried to get to you? Yeah. Well, what does the, that mean? The police came in, into the studio and sat me down after a show and said, look, we've we've intercepted some chatter from a, a bikey who has taken offence of something you've said and we've actually turned him around as he's been heading towards your suburb. Really? Um, and I went, oh, okay. And they said, we, we've had patrols going by your house of a night four times a night for the last two weeks. Um, but we think you should be aware of it now because we turned him around yesterday. And I said, can't you just knock on his door and say, hey, don't be stupid, we've we've heard this. I said, unfortunately, he's on a, a list where we have to take an armed backup group to knock on his door. Wow. Uh, and we think that could inflame it. But, but he's in a gangland war at the moment uh, over drugs and arms. I went, oh, okay. And we don't expect him to survive for six months. And uh, they said, we'll keep the patrols going and all that sort of stuff. And we track his phone so we know exactly what he's doing. And um, six months later, um, Eddie, uh, Nat at the time, was doing the news in the morning, gangland <laughs> shooting in the western suburb, get a text from, there's your boy, you're okay now. Right. And so you go, was, oh, he was, all right. Right. So that's, a, that's the huh. – there's some of the – we used to open our own mail – and and Libby used to open my mail. I'd bring it home until one day she opened a manila envelope and a bloodstained steak knife came out. And after that, security started to open our mail. Really? So you get you get all uh, – that's the huh. sort of 
side of it. The other side. <clears throat> the other side of it, of, so, uh, of having a profile. For me, watching you for 20 years at home, in the gym, wherever it may be, uh, the Beaconsfield mine was yep. a story beyond stories and it ended up being that because in the end there was a, a, you know, there was, it was a, a tragic occurrence but yep. it worked out for, yep, yep, for, for two of the three. For Todd and Brant. Yep. Yep. Todd Russell and Brant Webb have been released. Well done. Todd Russell's identity tag I will treasure forever. And the, you became synonymous with that story. Describe your memories of that and the moments and, and the ambulance and the impact that it had not only on the audience but you. It was enormous um, because Beaconsfield, just with the story that was unfolding, attracted the world's The world, media. yeah. And uh, the locals really got annoyed with, with the intrusion, but treated us like family um, on sunrise. And that's, it was a really powerful moment when we thought, gee, we really do connect with communities because you don't think of that, that bond so much. Um, Todd's family and his mum and dad were big sunrise viewers. Uh, when he was trapped down there, Mel and I would often go and pick the kids up from primary school because they were doing it tough. Dad, underground, all of these reports they could up. die. Yeah, yeah, and take them home to How long were you his down grandparents. There? And we were down there about 10 days. Okay. And we would hang out with his uh, wife and parents and have dinner with them. They'd cook us dinner in their home and things like that. How did which you we get- didn't have a tell anyone that and no one knew we were doing it. But So how did you go crossing over from the storyteller the, to the emotionally connected um, person at that, that point? That, that was really hard, but it also gave us an insight that it, there's a lot more to covering the news. It's people's lives. It's yep. how they cope. Um, they you, The rescuers, as they're trying to get them out, they put this PVC pipe down to give them air. It was the first connection oh. with them and they found they were alive. But they'd send notes down to them on um, what had happened on sunrise that day to keep their spirits up and all that sort of stuff. They We would send them notes down, Mel and I, and they'd send replies back and things like that. And um, I'll never forget on the day they were um, they were released, they broke through to, uh, to save them. We were driving from Launceston to Beaconsville. We're staying in Launceston at the time. So it was three, quarter past three in the morning. We get a call from one of the rescuers uh, saying, we've got them. And they said, uh, he said, I'll be driving the ambulance, Todd out. And he said to me, will you get Koshy's big fat ass to the gate so I can thank him on the way out? And the, This is what he said? Yeah, yeah. The... Um, Still get, <laughs> yeah, I can, I still can get a bit emotional. Well, I, I can um, understand that. And the uh, I'm going to keep the door of the ambulance open because he wants to talk to him. So uh, we get back to uh, the site outside in our truck and our link truck and the whole thing we were broadcasting from. Uh, everywhere was dark. Um, so CNN was there, NBC, BBC, everyone from around the world. Uh, we go on air and say they've been rescued. 
then all of a sudden the lights in this media sort of camping space light up and everyone comes across to listen to what we're saying because we've got the latest news. And um, when they came out, ambulance was there. Peter was driving the ambulance, Todd in the back. He called me and my uh, daughter was working for Bloomberg in Hong Kong at the time, the big financial news network. She said the entire uh, office was watching the Channel 7 feed and uh, all of a sudden we could just see your backside took up the <laughs> and, <laughs> and you're jumping yeah, in the yeah, ambulance. I'm jumping in the ambulance and all my colleagues will look at me and go, what the hell is he doing? Um, and Todd then gave me his tag, his safety tag, that when you come up from yeah. underground, you've got to put it on um, uh, the clipboard to say that you're safely back up and gave me that and said, thanks for all what you've done for the family. Mate, you took your time. Hey, how, how are you? Good, good to see you. Look, mate, how are you feeling? For you. Oh, are you Thank sure? Take it. Just wonderful. That's I'm never going to lose me to the game. And what did it mean? Huge. To you as a person, not as a broadcaster. Still, still, have, still have had that tag up until the day I finished Sunrise and on that final show, Todd and Brant and Peter, the ambulance driver, they were there. Uh, uh, Todd's got three kids. He had uh, three safety tags. Two have got them, but I had the third one, so I go back to him uh, and he gave me a belt buckle that he'd made for uh, the rescue team that got him out. And it was one of my most prized possessions and mm. a always a reminder that it's just so important to connect with people. And yes, you're a broadcaster. Yes, you're in the media, uh, but you're a human being too. And it's a human being that respects other people, respects their circumstances and tries to, to do good. I've always said hosting a TV, like TV is a bullshit job. Um, you're not, you're you're not saving, saving lives. You're not at the front line. If you can use your role to help other people and to help good people get things done, then it becomes a decent job. And that's how I've always approached it. If you can make a difference. Quick spell from Koshy for a moment. Alongside David at Channel 7, for mine, just about the best presenter on Australian TV, a wonderful woman by the name of Joanna Griggs. Griggsy, one of the greats. She joined us on episode 19 of the Artist Series. It was Bruce McAvaney who took me aside early on and he said, look, people are always going to say things about you. They're gonna, they might hate how you sound, how you walk, how you, how you look, um, but the one thing that they can't argue with is if you know your stuff. And so I take that side of things. It's why I love the Olympics and Paris and Com Games and why I love sports world because you had to do you had to know your stuff. You had to know your you had to do your research. You've got to know the stats on the people. You've got to know the sports side of it, but then you've also got to treat them as a human. That is the incomparable Joanna Griggs, episode nineteen of the artist series from May earlier this year. Check it out in the back catalogue. Let's get back to Koshi. A natural follow-on from that, when you are finding yourself in a situation where there's a natural disaster, mm. floods, bushfires, yeah. yep. and you have to go there and broadcast live and tell the news and how do you go about approaching people to talk to you on camera that have lost everything? Um, 
it's it's just being sympathetic and respectful always of their circumstances. And those sort of events follow a bit of a pattern. For the first day or two, three days, everyone's happy to tell their story um, and wants to tell their story. Then about the end of day three, they're tired, they haven't slept, the emotion starts to turn and they get angry with people. That's when we go. Gotcha. And just understanding how people people's lives work um, and being and being respectful of their position and like I will never knock on people's doors and uh, I take the view if people want to say something they'll approach us okay. rather than impose yourself on somebody else I I find I just get really uncomfortable doing that and won't do it. Watching from the outside, the reason I love watching you on TV is because you seem to have a genuine empathy for people in difficult situations and, and that comes across, especially on yeah. those type of situations. The, the other side of your job, the, the shiny, glitzy, glamour part of it um, is celebrities and dealing with celebrities. Um, looking at you, I was looking last night at you, with a very young Justin Bieber, <laughs> and there's just girls going bananas, uh, Koshy. We have had world leaders, we have had rock legends, we have had Hollywood superstars on our show. We have never seen anything like this before. Justin Bieber, one of the biggest things to hit the entertainment world in a generation. He's only 16, he's already had a number one album in the US. He's here with us this morning. We're going to start chatting to you because I tell you what, they are screaming. <laughs> We have never seen crowds like this. How do you cope with this? It's it's just been amazing. I can't believe that, you know, I've gotten the chance to come out here to Australia. It's my first time. Well, they closed the city down. Uh, we had to uh, – he, he was performing in an open space down near the, um, near the opera house. We had so many kids there. And uh, same thing happened with One Direction uh, when they first came <laughs> as well. And so we had to hightail it back to the, the studio and they all followed. So Martin Place was just heaving with people. And and look, we've always our we've always had the ideal viewer, a picture of the person yep. that we had to appeal to. And if you watch Home and Away, uh, it's Irene on Home and Away. Irene has always been our imaginary viewer hmm. because in the morning, uh, mums control the television and the remote. And so we had to do a show that appealed to mum uh, in the madhouse of breakfast because breakfast time is a madhouse in any household. Sure is. So we had to try and capture 20... 20 minutes of that family's uh, time on average. And in that 20 minutes, we figured people needed to know news of the day, something to talk about at work, at school, and to smile. Really simple formula. But we had to get mum to turn it on. And we had to make that decision um, not cause an argument. So that's why we would have the Justin Beavers and the One Directions and every rock. So, so the kids would go, yeah, mum, good decision, put on Sunrise. 
because we've got all these artists. Frankly, dads don't count, but we do a bit of sport and we all know as dads that, you know, our decision-making doesn't count when it comes to the family. So <laughs> we're at the bottom of the Sunrise um, priority list, but it was always mum to, uh, to turn us on. So, um, but then we had to appeal to the kids because if they argued, I'd go, oh, decision's too hard. So we had to make sure it was an easy decision. So... That's why we would have all the superstars on and um, it was just phenomenal. Some amazing experience. Coldplay, Katy Perry, um, In Excess, Four Seconds, uh, whoever. Uh, and it was funny because Justin Bieber first came on as a really young kid, then went, and Rihanna was like this as well, um, came with their mum or their dad first up, very <laughs> polite, da -da. then they like our own kids, went through the really bratty stage and, you know, really annoying um, when they came on. And then as they matured and went through that, um, they became normal again and and really nice to talk to and quite mature. And Justin Bieber's like, uh, talk, talk to him now is, you know, he's just a terrific bloke. Um, and yeah. ha handling the pressures of what, that we can only imagine. Yeah. And he does it so well. So they're, they're all, everyone's a human being. Everyone thinks, oh, because you're on TV, you're, what a perfect life you have. You don't have a perfect life. No one has a perfect life. No one has an Instagram perfect life. And it's the same with rock stars as well. So when your typical viewer, Irene, comes yep. up to you in the street, and relays a story that they saw you do something or speak yep. to someone and it had this impact on their life. They were going through oh. a tough spot and yep. they saw such and such or what does that mean to you? Like what type of stories do people tell you? It's the most wonderful. Um, a lot of young girls, it's a, it's a, you've got to be really careful now, come up and say, Koshi, can I give you a hug? And you go, oh. <laughs> uh, why? And I said, well... You know, um, I grew up in a single parent household. It was just my mum and myself and my brother or sister. You're our dad every day. Now that to me is really special. Or hmm. someone will say, um, uh, you're getting you, me emotional. You, now you, you had that. me on, you had me on, uh, 10 years ago, I was struggling. I was trying to start an organisation, you supported it, it changed my life. Um, or you talked about budgeting for their household budget 15 years ago. It was the best bit of advice I ever got. I now own 10 investment properties, so they're better off than me. Um, <laughs> by following your your, I know, that's what Lib <laughs> says all the time. But but our, our weakness is that we just love, love experiences and travel. And at one stage, we took our kids out of school for nine months and we lived in four houses in Europe because in little villages, because I thought they're growing up in too much of a privileged life. Um, and they had to understand different cultures and things like that. So we took them out and homeschooled them and they came back better than before. Um, I used to call them out. out prince and princesses and they had to see the other side, side of the world, what, is it, what it's like. Um, so those things are 
are really amazing. So all the all the anti-vaxxers that troll me on <laughs> social media, um, we, which can wear you down, um, it's stories like that that you that, go, okay. That lift you this up. This has been, well, I made an I, impact. I'm going to indulge you for a moment now and tell you my favourite sunrise moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, it's a cracker. No, it's oh, a cracker. no. I, I to watch a when lot. When people do that. Oh, I'm um, good friends with Grant Denyer and I used to um, – cheer him on when he was doing his yep. thing with you and he's, he's yep. a phenomenon, that man. But um, it wasn't the cash cow, but you are giving away money. Maybe you know, I was actually watching. You are giving away 10 grand and you were just ringing people up and and, and you rang Doris, whoever her name was, and she's, you've told her you've won 10 grand and she's just dropped the F-bomb on you on live TV. <laughs> and it's just one of the great moments of Australian TV for me, Koshy. We are ringing giant... Hello. Is that Jai? Jay. Jay. Jay Grumley. This is Melon Koshy from Sunrise. Would you like $10,000 on this Thursday morning? Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, well, um, no, we're we not are. words that we would use, but we are very serious. Well, so. similar to that vein, <laughs> because we've had 50 Cent on, we've had Snoop Dogg on, right. and, and you all, you think, oh, <laughs> I hope go. they behave There's themselves. There's no dump button like the radio. Yeah. So, Rugby World Cup, uh, I forget which one it was, and I'm never a great fan of the South African rugby team because I, I think... Some in the past they've sort of been thugs and yep. nothing more. So on air, I call them a bunch of buffheads. Uh, the South African community is sort of besieged. <laughs> oh, the Perth would have rang up. Oh, God. How dare you swear at our team like that and disrespectful? I said, buffheads, not a swear word. Yeah, well, that's a, anyhow, we get Sue Butler on the editor of Macquarie Dictionary. And um, <laughs> to follow up, and Sue is the loveliest lady. And uh, she's got, um, as you would expect, sort of hair pulled back, um, sort of fairly thick, dark reading glasses on, uh, chain of pearls, just looks like your librarian from uh, school. <laughs> and I said, look, so you've got to clear this up for, is Buffon, uh, Buffed a swear word? And she goes, well, no, its derivation is from the French buffon, uh, with the high hair thing yes. and stuff like that. And so it's sort of a derivation of that meaning, big-headed. Uh, Sue, is it a swear word? Oh, no, not nearly as bad as f***ing <laughs> weird. Uh, <laughs> Sue's dropped that, the librarian. And I've got, nice, I've got our supervisor, Dave Walters, uh, Dougie in my ego, get her off now. <laughs> this is a C children's classification time zone. We're going to be fine for this. And so I said, Sue, thank you for clearing that up for us. Thank you very much. Let's move on. And, Nat, what's uh, going on now? <laughs> so they were the only two instances right. in my entire 20 years that people have dropped. Oh, uh, I loved yeah, it. Oh, well, uh, mate, working in so sport, funny. working in sport oh, happens yeah, every well, grand final. <laughs> we always finish this podcast the same way, Koshi, um, and I've loved it. I've loved chatting with you and finding out about the the intricacies of live TV. For those youngsters that are listening, yep, you've been very successful in in various careers, and I'm sure there's still more ahead of you. What advice would you give to the young inquiring minds out there that want to achieve and succeed in the passion that they're following? Okay. Uh, follow my dad's advice that he gave me, have enough confidence in yourself to give anything a go. 
doesn't work out, have enough confidence to go and do something else. In other words, um, don't plan out your life to the nth degree. I, I say this to my kids at the, the moment and grandkids. Everyone wants a plan that is going to be perfect for the next 10 years. Geez, just loosen up a bit. Life will bring you some wonderful opportunities that you have no idea what's going to happen. And that's the joy of it. That's going to be one of the best rides and experiences you'll ever have. So don't take it all too seriously. Enjoy life. And if there's an opportunity, grab it. See where it takes you. Uh, You have been a massive part of Australia mornings for 20-odd years. I'm sure there's much ahead of you, mate. I hope you are in uh, charge for Port Adelaide flag and that your family and your grandkids and everyone continue to grow and be happy and healthy. Thanks for joining me on The Artist Series, mate. It's been a treat for me. Really appreciate it, Howie. Thank you. Thanks to Koshy for being Koshy. What a dude. For his sake, I hope Port Adelaide win a premiership while he is in charge. Thanks to the awesome crew of Tommy, MJ, Das and Marcel for just getting stuff done and keeping the podcast afloat. Until next time, with Tex Perkins, rock and roll. Tex Perkins, he has got a story or three. Peace and love.